football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Vi. And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to All-Star Weekend, kind of a, a informal, let's just kick it episode. Not responding or reacting um, rather to you know any Denver Nuggets win or loss. Just sort of... Um, Dishing out some of my thoughts that I scribbled down uh, throughout the weekend um, in, in terms of just All-Star Weekend and the setup of it, uh, the All-NBA um, uh, 75th anniversary team, a couple thoughts to share on that. And uh, so I'm happy to be in here here on a Tuesday, uh, February 22nd is when we're recording this. Just got through with the three-hour radio show uh, here on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan in Denver. And, you know, a, a handful of thoughts here. Um, let's just start. I just want to start with Nikola Jokic and the All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend. Um, there is, you know, as I try to organize my thoughts here, there is a widespread um, frustration, I think, in Nuggets Nation when it comes to Nikola Jokic, how he's perceived, how he's handled, how he's discussed. Uh, and, and I think that for me personally, I think that I'm going to um, check out of, of these conversations. Okay? And, and I've gone back and forth on this um, throughout the last couple years because sometimes I will uh, come in here and record the podcast and be organically frustrated by something I either heard or didn't hear when it comes to Nicola. Um, slights, uh, obvious slights, perceived slights, um, not enough credit, um, misrepresentation of where he stands next to player X or whatever. Um, but I, I have to tell you, um, I'm getting a little bit weary of it myself uh, because, you know, when when you're actually playing the sport, they tell you, control what you can control, right? Um, and I think either as a fan or as, you know, someone like me who is, you know, uh, covering the team, doing a podcast, it's almost a, a similar um, thought process or at least approach. I understand why Nuggets fans, Nuggets Nation gets frustrated because you just simply want everyone else to see and process and understand and appreciate what you see on a day-to-day basis. And I totally get that. And that's, you should want that, right? That, that comes from a place of passion. But when, um, when Nick Wright uh, goes on television and 
uses the order of operations in a fourth quarter of an All-Star game as why Nikola Jokic shouldn't be considered um, an MVP candidate. And then we get all upset about it. I just don't know what's getting accomplished. It's certainly certainly on the Nuggets front or Nuggets Nation front, you're 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 not accomplishing anything by stomping your feet and screaming from the rooftops how wrong Nick Wright is. In fact, and and I shared this on the air with uh, uh, our buddy Tyler Columbus from our afternoon drive show. It's like you're actually doing Nick Wright a favor. Now, I'm not coming at anyone in particular uh, at all. Okay, let me make that clear because again, like I said, this all comes from a place of of passion about the Nuggets and about Nikola Jokic. But when you make your timeline all about Nick Wright or you make your radio segment all about Nick Wright, you are doing exactly what Nick Wright wants you to do. Like, we we get that, right? You are, in the most literal sense, repurposing Nick Wright's content for free. And and, and you're doing it uh, more oftentimes than not while super, super frustrated. And I just don't, it's not productive. In fact, um, more often times than not, more often times than not when you're doing that, and, and this is to, to anyone because myself, I've been guilty of it in the past, um, you uh, give credence to what Charles Barkley said last week that, you know, N- Nuggets fans are whiners. You're talking about Nicola should deserve more credit. You're literally talking about the reigning MVP of the league. Like, don't those things um, contradict one another? And to a certain degree, Charles is right. Now, I understand why um, Nuggets Nation, Nuggets fans want to be heard and want to be respected, and there's a bit of a small market, um, you know, even if it's unconscious. Uh, and But more oftentimes than not, it's not. It's not unconscious. It's very conscious. It's we're in Denver and you don't appreciate us because we're not a coastal city and we're not a top five market and it's not best for the NBA for guys, our guys to be successful and be the face of the league. And here's the thing, like, again, a um, couple of things. One, we're talking about the reigning MVP, okay? Let's just remind ourselves of that, that everything we wanted for Nicola happened. Okay, he won the MVP in a landslide. That's never going to change. Um, but also, there's still that next layer of this thing, this awareness thing that needs to happen, and that's the Nuggets playing in the NBA Finals. Okay, because here's a real question, and I'm not, and I'm not like coming at the career, coming at the neck of Nick Wright. Um, Nick Wright has made a fabulous career for himself doing stuff like this. Um, is that? Um, Has Nick Wright actually watched the Nuggets play a basketball game this year? Seriously, it's a serious question. Do you think Nick Wright has actually sat down and watched the Nuggets play a game this year? Because I have a hunch, and I think that that's not the case. Okay? Do I think that Nick Wright intakes what Jokic does on a night-to-night basis, checking box scores, looking at reading stuff, looking at highlights? Sure. Like, just ask yourself that question. And if you believe that the answer to that question is no, Nick Wright doesn't really watch the Nuggets like you do, well, then you have a case of you're arguing over a movie that really only one of you has seen. You're, you're talking about a book that really only one of you has read, and you're trying to convince the other guy how great the, the book is. But how far is that going to get if, if the guy has never actually or, – or, or he just reads the final page of every chapter and thinks he has a good idea of, of what's going on in the book? So 
I, I, I just wanted to get that out of the way here to start the podcast. I don't want to go on and on about it because seriously, I'm, I, I, I'm just not going to um, have on like on a day to day basis, like my Jokic shield and sword and be ready to go to battle um, when you really don't have to. Jokic's play speaks for itself. And you want to know who knows that better than anyone, guys? Basketball people. Like the same basketball people that had 95 first place votes for Jokic for MVP and the next you know, leading candidate with first place votes was five with Steph Curry. Like those people, they get it. Basketball people, they get it. So don't get all in a pretzel arguing with about a, a, a serious basketball topic without, with, with a guy who's not a basketball guy. That's all. Um, Okay, I just wanted to get that out of the way because it's seriously not worth our energy every single time Jokic gets slighted. Uh, you have to context is king. Who's saying it? Why are they saying it? Is, does it come from an informed position? Okay, enough of that for now. Got that out of the way. All-Star Weekend, you know, uh, mixed reviews. The dunk contest was getting killed, okay? Um, and and, and, and I'll, I'll say this about, about the dunk contest. The dunk contest is broken, but it doesn't have anything to do with the dunks themselves. Guys, the dunk contest is a is an example of like the arc of it of like human like ingenuity, human approach to make something old new again and fresh again and a, a, a remix of spin on something from the past. But it's not the dunks or the dunkers. Like, I'm watching Obi Toppin. Think about this. If you, if you said this in 19, 1988, Michael Jordan's jumping from the free throw line, right? Michael Jordan's jumping from the free throw line. I just saw a man fly, right? We saw Zach Levine do a windmill from the free throw line. Okay? Obi Toppin would win any dunk contest that Michael Jordan was in. And, 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 and if you're just looking from a substance standpoint, and I know that sounds like like heresy. It's, it's hitting someone's ears right now. The dunks themselves are not the problem. I watched OB Toppin on Saturday night throw the basketball off of the glass, throw it between his legs, and finish with a reverse dunk. But he didn't throw it between his legs the traditional way, like throwing from the front to the back. He throws it from the back through the front and finishes with a reverse. It was stunning. It was like the dunk itself was stunning if you drop it in 2004. Like that dunk was better than any dunk that Jason Richardson or Desmond Mason did in the mid early 2000s. But for a bunch of different factors, the contest has lost its luster. Again, what if in 1992, you saw, um, who was it? Say, say you saw D. Brown, okay? Instead of just cover his head up and dunk it, which was like an iconic dunk at the time, what if you saw D. Brown take someone out of the stands, have him stand straight up, and D. Brown jumped over their entire body, but while he did it, threw it behind his back? The first person I ever thought threw it behind their back, I think it was the year 2004, 2005, it was J.R. Smith in the dunk contest for the Nuggets. I think that was around the Iguodala dunk contest, uh, back and forth type deal, I want to say. But, like, we had never seen someone throw behind their back before. That was, like, something that NBA Live put into their dunk contest um, on the video game. 
Like NBA Live in 2005 made a video game where uh, made a dunk contest and you could throw the basketball underneath both of your legs. It was so unrealistic. It's like no one's going to sit in the air and throw it underneath both of their legs. We saw Aaron Gordon do that in 2016. Guys, we've seen it all. That's part of the problem. We've seen it all. And I was just talking about like if we saw if we saw D Brown jump over a six foot six person's head and throw it behind his back, like we saw Obi Toppin do that on Saturday night in what some are, are calling like the worst dunk contest ever. The format is stale. The idea that you could you know take eight nine tries, um, it, it was Chris Anderson Birdman all over again in the early two thousands. It, it became painful, and then you pull off the dunk that you've been trying for fourteen straight times. And it just it, it feels old, even though it's it's two and a half minutes. Um, in the past, so I, 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 you know, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not faulting the guys in the contest. I'm not faulting Cole Anthony. I'm not faulting Jalen Green. I'm not faulting Obi Toppin. Okay, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not. I'm not faulting Anthony uh, Simons who won it last year. Like these guys are awesome dunkers. It, it, it's, it's, it's the stale format. Um, it's we've seen it all and we're not impressed. We become desensitized to these incredible feats of human strength and just DNA. And then you have like the judges and it's the old guard and they're on the commentators. Uh, I'm in, uh, uh, being in the commentators too. And there seems to be like this like kind of like like in our day type of deal, a little bit sentiment or tone to it. So um, for for those you know, two or three reasons. I, the, the the thing needs a facelift, or you need to take it away for a few years and then bring it back, because it just feels um, stale. It just feels stale. So um, I don't know exactly what the remedy is, but it needs a facelift in one way, shape, or form. So because whatever it is ain't working, and and you're hearing loudly that it's not. So. Is a three-point contest gone last? Can you tinker with the rules? Remember they did the spinning wheel. They tried. They've tried so much. Um, but the dunk contest isn't new anymore. It doesn't feel fresh. And once upon a time, the dunk was illegal, right? And the ABA started doing the dunk contest. It was like, oh my gosh, it was this new thing. The NBA adopts it, and you have the best players doing it. And now you don't have the best players doing it. Not even close. Not even close. Think of the year 2000 dunk contest, uh, the one that everyone remembers Vince for, for being the best. It was the best dunk contest uh, performance I've ever seen. The 360 windmill, the honey dip, the windmill from behind the hoop. Did all that, right? The uh, uh, T-Mac bounced it to him, he threw it between the legs, pointed up at the rim. Like, that's all iconic, right? But you think of that contest in general. T-Mac's in it. Vince Carter's in it. Jerry Stackhouse is in it. Steve Francis is in it. Like, those were names. My wife didn't know who any of these guys were. And, 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 and that's like kind of a litmus test of like, you know, does, does a casual basketball fan or just like a fringe fan, do they know who these guys are? Most don't, unless you're like, you know, truly a fan. Um, and I think that's part of the equation, too, and why it just, just feels so lackluster. You're not invested in these stars. They're not stars, right? McCole Anthony. Talking about Jalen Green. Uh, Obi, these are young guys, right? But again, has nothing to do with the actual dunks themselves, in my opinion. Okay. Um, the game itself, Jokic doesn't play the fourth quarter. Um, the All-Star game itself, of course, I'm talking about, um, you know, it, it, it didn't bother me. If Jokic wanted to play the fourth quarter, I promise you there would have been some minutes in the fourth quarter for Nikola Jokic. I just, 
again, you know, to, to use it as a metric of, you know, MVP status, I just is the, the most fool's errand of all time. Um, but I will say this of the exhibition games in professional sports, and, and, and am, I, am I biased? Sure, because I'm a basketball guy. But I think the NBA has the best exhibition game in all of pro sports. The baseball game is boring, okay? And, and this idea that, oh, it's the All-Star game. Guys win, you know, uh, the NL wins, you know, 13 to 9 or it's, you know, 10 to 8. No, that's not the case. I, I looked it up this morning. No major league team has scored more than eight runs in the All-Star game in the last 15 years. It's pitching dominated. The scores are 3-2, 4-2, 3-0, 5-3. I mean, it's not like some home run home run derby. You know, the, uh, the All-Star weekend came to, to Denver here this past year, and I chose the home run derby for Saturday and watched the All-Star game from home on Sunday and never felt more validated. Uh, just so much more action in the derby. The the All Star game is is kind of like you know, it's just it's the baseball All Star game, right? It, uh, whatever, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, but the Pro Bowls turned into such a joke; it's not competitive at all. And somebody say, "Oh, you know, NBA All Star game is not competitive. They scored ninety points in the first quarter." Yes, you're right, because it's the first freaking quarter of the NBA All Star game. Well, like, what are we missing here? What are our expectations coming in? You think guys are going to be picking up guys ninety four feet? No, they're having fun. But when it mattered the most on the back stretch of the game, you saw a really competitive environment. It would be like if the Pro Bowl got more physical as the game went on. Do we see that? No. They're not even tackling. They're, they're two-hand touching to the point where if a guy wants to run through a tackle, they don't even let him anymore because the culture of the game has become so watered down, it doesn't look like the sport in the first place. And that's my biggest thing that the NBA All-Star Game has is in the fourth quarter, I think that looks as close to the sport does when things matter of uh, more than um, way more than the NFL Pro Bowl. Now, I think in terms of that category alone, baseball probably looks the closest like it, right? Because we see pitching so dominated in the playoffs. It's just not my cup of tea, I guess. But um, I see like non-basketball people hating on the game, and 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 I'll 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 pick on my buddy James Merrillat who works here uh, at at uh, the Fan here in Denver. Um, love, love uh, going back and forth to James. We disagree on so much, and he was just crushing the the, the All Star game. And, and I'm like, are, do these people actually watch basketball, and then they watch the All Star game, or do they not watch basketball and then just hate on the All Star game? And I think three out of every five people that hate on the All Star game in a flagrant fashion, uh, bashing it, tweeting about it, and stuff like that, they're, they're not actually watching NBA basketball as regularly as maybe you or or, or myself. Um, so look, it's a freaking exhibition game in the month of February. We saw Steph Curry hit 16 three-pointers and put on an absurd 50-point performance. We saw LeBron James, still the face of the sport, knock down a game winner in his former hometown of Cleveland. And we had a one-possession game that, 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 that ends on that game winner from LeBron. What, 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 else, what else are we looking for here in this exhibition game in February? I, I just I don't understand the, uh, the disdain for it. Um, love the Elam ending. Talked about this the last couple of years here on the podcast. I was very resistant to the Elam ending uh, when it was first introduced because I just thought it, would, it bucked up against the tradition and the purity of the sport. Um, I'll take that L on the way out, uppercase L. Love the Elam ending. This is how we grow up playing the game of basketball, right? We get in these structure settings later in life and – and throughout your basketball life, 
but the non-structured setting compared to the structured setting from how often you play as a basketball player is uh, maybe 75 to 1. Like, for seriously, like 70, 75 to 1, maybe 50 to 1 from times you're actually playing basketball or working out or playing pickup or playing one-on-one or doing whatever. You're probably doing that 50 times to every one time that you're in a structured setup of an actual game with refs and clock. And, and what do we do our whole lives? We play to a score, right? We don't bring out a clock in the backyard. You play to a score. That's all the Elam ending is. You cut out the nonsense at the end of games, the fouling, the free throws, the wasted time. Every game ends on a game winner. I mean, what, what, what's not to like? And really got super familiarized with it, with uh, the TBT, the basketball tournament. Uh, and then seeing the NBA adopted, and I, I just think it's awesome. And, uh, you know, we'd have to have really have an open mind and have a full discussion about it. Um, but it, it may be the future of the sport. Not today, not tomorrow, but years down the line, if you were to rethink the game of basketball... And, and we should do this with all our sports. My buddy uh, D-Max says this here on The Fan in Denver. Like, we should approach sports, given that they're freaking sports, not, you know, foreign policy. We should approach sports like they were invented yesterday. And if you were going to make a progressive change um, in an effort to make the sport better, then you should at least consider that. And with the Elam ending, um, I do think it's reached the point, past the point, uh, of consideration and maybe be uh, discussed, you know, maybe, again, maybe it's years down the line. Uh, we'll see. But it's going to have to be a, a creative person in charge that's willing to be, you know, upset the apple cart a little bit. Um, and maybe Adam Silver's not that, that guy. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's the next commissioner. Maybe it never happens. But I, I, I'm at least open to the uh, conversation of it uh, at, at the very least. Um, okay. A couple thoughts about the uh, NBA 75th anniversary team. Really fun concept. I mean, if you're if you're if you're a fan of this game, if you love this game like I do, you embrace the history of it. I love the history of NBA basketball. Um, the list, the 75 best players in the history of the sport, that got compiled a while ago. But ESPN ranked them all. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. I I, I have um, a few beefs. Nothing that I'm. I'm you know, going to be crying over. Uh, Jordan came in at number one, no issue. LeBron came in at number two, really no issue, guys. No issues. I mean, LeBron's career, man, it, it, it truly speaks for itself. It does. I mean, you could, much like Tom Brady's career, you could chop LeBron James's career up into three separate stages and you have three separate Hall of Fame careers. And this guy just blazed a trail like we have never seen. Um, he made the game. I heard Colin Coward say this before. That like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson saved the NBA. Michael Jordan made it global. LeBron James made it mobile. That I'm in control of my own destiny. That, that I will go do this with the players that I want to because I'm empowered. And it was like he, he really led the player empowerment. Um, and that's not why he's on this list, okay? <laughs> he's, 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 he's number two on the list because he's an all-time great player and his, his resume is so insane and so sterling and robust and long. Um, but the fact that he was also the face of changing the sport and the way that it's approached, it, you could argue that it's the most impactful 
NBA career of all time. Um, he ends up number two on the list. Uh, Kareem number three. You could have those flip flopped. I probably would if it was just my list. I'd probably have Kareem number two. Um, but certainly fair for for LeBron to be there. You could have uh, Magic ahead of all these guys. Uh, Magic came in at number four. No issue. My issue starts probably with the uh, number five, Wilt Chamberlain. I do not believe Wilt Chamberlain is the fifth greatest player in the history of the game. Uh, I think he has maybe the best just stats. But when you start to peel back um, who he was playing against, when he was playing them, the style that was being played, the size of these players. You know, I talked about this a year ago when I argued Kobe Bryant's 81-point game is far more impressive than Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. And I'm I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but you're talking about in in an era of of the 1960s, which is the fastest pace in NBA history that the game was ever played. Okay, with no three-point line, the scoring in the '60s is the same as today. All right, look it up. The scoring in the 1960s is the same scoring results today. Teams averaging 118 points a game. That actually happened in the '60s. But within the fastest era of NBA basketball is the year that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a single game. And I think that when you talk about Wilt. It's nothing but stats. Oh, he averaged 50 in, the, in this season. He scored 100 points in a game. I, I get it. Will is an all-time great player. I'm not here to tell you that that's not the case, okay? He is an all-time great player. But if you're telling me that a seven foot one freak of an athlete in an era where there was eight teams in the freaking league and the average center's height was six foot eight, and there you are, not just seven foot one, but you're a superhuman, and you're telling me you're the fifth best player in the history of the sport that Dr. James Naismith created. Why do you have just two championships? Serious question. Two. Now, championships are hard, okay? So I'm not poo pooing the fact that. You know, two championships is you you can wave a stick at it. I'm I'm not saying that. But you're telling me he's the fifth greatest basketball player in the sports history with that surrounding context that I just mentioned. The average height of a center, eight teams in the league. How come you have just two two titles? It was eight teams in the league. Oh, because you played in the same, uh, you played in the same era as Bill Russell. Why is Bill Russell behind Wilt Chamberlain on this list? Because he only averaged 15 points a game? Well, what about the 22 rebounds? What if? What about the fact he's arguably the greatest defensive player uh, in the game's history? Is he the greatest rebounder in the history of the game? Uh, now, he, he's up there. Him, him and Will are in that conversation. But you're talking about a five-time MVP. Um, you're talking about 11 NBA championships. Wilt Chamberlain doesn't have more championships because he played with Bill Russell. So I, 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 just, I just don't understand why the guy whose name is named after the Finals MVP award would be behind Wilt Chamberlain on the list. Wilt didn't win enough for me. Wilt didn't win enough. So I know it comes across for some as hate. Maybe they're, they're triggered right now. But I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo was dropped in the same era as Wilt Chamberlain, you have... All that and more, what Wilt did. 
I think Wilt is the product of, first of all, being a great athlete, being massive, and being an, being an awesome basketball player in a super under, underdeveloped era of the game, and he still couldn't get over the hill more than two times. So I have issue with him not being on the list. Maybe he belongs as number you know, uh, nine on the list and not five. So am I splitting hairs? Maybe. But that one, that, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not step in step with that one. Uh, Larry Legend came in at number seven. No issues. Duncan at eight, listed before Kobe. No problem with it. No problem with it. Um, Oscar Robertson coming in at number nine. Look, I mean, again, again, I, I mentioned this. Um, Oscar's an all-time great player. That's not really debatable. What gets mentioned first with Oscar? The same thing every single time, just like Wilt. He averaged a triple-double for a season. Um, how many titles did he win? Like, for this list, again, this is the ultimate splitting hairs. You're talking about a separate wing of the Hall of Fame. These guys are all all all-time greats. They're goats. But we're talking about separate wings here when you start to split hairs. How many times was Oscar Robertson the best player on a team that won a championship? Seriously, he won one title. Right, that was after I think it was Bob Cousy traded him from the Cincinnati Royals to the Milwaukee Bucks. But you know, um, I, was he the best player on that team, or was that Kareem? I, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Again, it sounds like I'm beating the guy up. I'm not. I'm just saying, does he belong at number nine? I, you know, I I maybe maybe belong somewhere closer to twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Again, just sharing my opinion. Uh, Kobe came in at number ten. I think that's right where he belongs. Um, I'm a massive, you know, Kobe fan. I grew up, you know, pretty much worshiping the guy, uh, for better or worse. Um, obviously, taken from us way too soon. And, and I will say, man, that 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 hurt the, the the picture over the weekend. They have all the Laker greats together. You know, it's it's um, James Worthy, it's Shaq, it's Jerry West, it's LeBron. They're all together, right? I'm missing a couple guys, and then there's just this like hole where Kobe, you know, would have been. It just it just sucks. Um, I know some people were arguing that he should be um, higher on this list. Looking at it objectively, I think Kobe came in right uh, where he belongs, as right there at number ten. Um, Shaq came in at number eleven. You could argue a Shaq could be uh, ahead of uh, Kobe. I I probably have him right where it is. Kevin Durant coming at number twelve. You know, I have to say this. I you know. This is again one of these age-old, um, age-old you know debates. Is Kevin Durant the twelfth best basketball player that the sport has ever seen? I think you could argue that he for sure is. Um, does he have the twelfth best career? Like you're not forecasting. It's you're going from the here and now. Does he have the twelfth best career? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, again, I'm splitting hairs. Maybe not 12th, maybe 16th or something like that. Um, Hakeem, 13, right where he belongs. Dr. J, uh, right where he belongs at 14. I'm glad that Moses Malone came in the top 15. I think that Moses Malone is probably one of the more under-talked about guys uh, in NBA history. Again, he gets his props for sure, but considering just how great of a player this guy was how how good of a rebounder this guy was if you pull up his you know year by year stats i mean this guy this guy won back to back mvps with two different teams 
Like, like this guy won an MVP with the Rockets in the early 80s, then got traded to the 76ers, won the MVP there along with a championship, along with a finals MVP. Pretty sure that was in consecutive years, by the way, uh, in the early 80s there for Moses Malone. Uh, Steph Curry, just just a freaking basketball god, comes in at number 16, best shooter of all time, have no problem with the placement of it. Dirk at 17 is a little bit high for me, just a little bit high. Did he revolutionize the game? Of course. Did he, um, uh, was he a major step uh, in eradicating the, you know, soft stereotype from as a Euro, quote-unquote Euro? For sure. Um, he's, he's arguably the greatest international player ever. Um, enjoy that title while you have it. That's what I would say. Um, love Dirk, major fan. I just think that's a little bit high on the list. But then you got Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 18. Man, this dude is putting together career. And by the way, it's it's fair. I mean, it's it's totally fair. Giannis, who is already uh, an NBA champion, a Finals MVP, a two-time two-time NBA MVP. You're talking about a guy who won MVP in the same season he won Defensive Player of the Year. Like the guy's been on first team defense a handful of times. This is a guy who you know came in the league as a no one and became most improved player. And then three years later, he's winning the MVP. Um, he's just an all-time great player. Um, from a accumulation of accolades, 18 might be a little bit high for Giannis right here, right now. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's 27. Like, I think this is a little bit of a forecast of where he's going to end up. And he may end up way higher than this. Um I love Giannis. I love it that that he's getting the, the, the flowers, his flowers, and the recognition. 18? Mm, okay, cool. I mean, uh, okay. Uh, Jerry West at 19, Elgin Baylor at 20, KG at 21, Barkley at 22. Malone at 23 is a little bit low for me. I think the mailman deserves to be a little bit higher. Like, I think you could flip-flop Malone at 23 and maybe Jerry West at 19. Something like that. Um, I know that uh, you know Jerry West is one of the all-time great players. He he was the only player in NBA history to win Finals MVP on a losing team back in the late '60s, 1969, uh, I believe. But um, Jerry West didn't Jerry West only win one title, and it was at the end of his career. I want to say, um, yeah, I I, I want to say he only won one title. Uh, and that was in 1972. Um, he he came in the league, I want to say, in, in 1960. So he was on the very back end of his career at the time. So for me personally, Jerry West at 19, I got it. He's the logo and all that. Lifelong Laker. Um, okay, uh, you know he was an uh, he's an all time great player. I, I don't mean to act like I'm crapping on him. The guy went to 14 All Star games. He was an all defensive player. 19th best player in the history of the sport. I just I just balk a little bit uh, on that. Okay, um, I could keep going through the list. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. The, a name that I believe should have ended up on the list, okay, that I, that got slighted, um, is a guy that's not very popular, which is ultimately why I believe he was left off the list. And that's Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard has had a great career. Not good, great career. You're talking about a guy who won the Defensive Player of the Year 2009, 2010, 2011. 
Like, who else won three defensive players of the year in league history? Who comes to mind? Uh, uh, maybe Dennis Rodman, Ben Wallace. Um, but this is a guy who, you know, this is the top 75 list. Dwight Howard, I believe, is the 57th all-time leading scorer in the history of the sport, and that's not even what he really did best. Not even close, right? He was an all-time rebounder. He led the league in rebounding five different times. He was a shot blocker. He led the league uh, in shot blockings uh, or sh- uh, blocked shots um, more than once. Uh, this is a guy who was NBA first team five different times. This has been an MVP of the entire league. Uh, this is a guy who has won a championship. This is a guy who went to eight all-star games. So, you know, uh, for me, um, I just think that, uh, look, um, Howard, the middle of his career got messy. The middle, the middle of his career got messy. But if I think if you take a step back from that and just, you know, look at the career and the substance of it and forget, you know, how unpopular the way things ended in Orlando and Houston stuff and, you know, beefs and personal stuff. And I don't know. I mean, but this guy was at the peak of his powers when he's bringing that Orlando magic team to the NBA finals with Hidu Turkoglu and Richard Lewis. And, you know, who that dude was one of the great defensive rebounding uh, shot blockers we've ever seen. So um, I I do think Dwight Howard belonged on this list. You know, who do you want to take off instead? You know, we can have that conversation. You know, Dame Lillard, maybe? I I think it's a convo. I do. Um, So, yeah, Dwight, I think, belongs on the list. And maybe he'll be on that 100 list um, when when that, you know, circles back around. Um, You know, I heard uh, people mentioning that uh, T-Mac got slighted. Mm, No. No. T-Mac was a great scorer, okay? He was. Um he had a stretch in his career for about six, seven years where he was, you know, arguably right there with the best offensive player in the league along with Kobe. Um, but you can't, like, we're talking about, we're talking about the greatest players to ever play the sport, okay? I, was, I just asked a question with uh, Oscar Robertson. How many times are you the best player on a team that wins a title? T-Mac was never the best player on a team that won a single playoff series. Like, what are we really talking about here? So, T-Mac, great score, great peak, great prime, um, but did he get slighted? I I, I don't think so. Um, A name that I think is going to be on the next list and arguably could have been on this list is uh, Draymond Green, one of the great defensive players we have ever seen, a guy who is a champion three times over, a guy who uh, has been the defensive player of the year, who has been NBA All-First-Team defense many times over, and then second team a few times over. This is a guy who's led the league in steals. This is a guy who um, has been really one of the straws that stirred the drink of one of the great basketball teams of all time in the Golden State Warriors. Um, This dude is going to the Hall of Fame, okay? He is going to the Hall of Fame. Just I used to argue about this the last couple years. It's, It's not arguable anymore, okay? Draymond, Draymond Green's going to the Hall of Fame. Um, it's inarguable if you're objective about it. Um, and I think that he, he had a case uh, to be on this uh, 75 uh, or 75th anniversary team. Um, is it the end of the world that, that he's not? No, it's not. Uh, Clay Thompson was left off. I think he has a case. Um, but truly, um, you know, it's one of these things where you say, okay, who, who are you going to take off? 
right? Who do you, who do you want to take off? And 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 you could, you could, you could. You look at the best, you know. You look at you know, Dolph Shays, right? In the nineteen fifties and sixties, um, you know, could you take off Carmelo Anthony? Could you take off Anthony Davis? Um, that's the thing about lists; they're they're very arguable. And um, Billy Cunningham, could you take off Billy Cunningham? I probably, but. You know, how much do we really know about Billy Cunningham? Have we taken a dive into his career? Um, you know, again, we can argue to the cows come home. I just like the celebration of the sport. I thought Saturday evening, um, or excuse me, Sunday evening was pretty damn cool um, for uh, all those guys. And just just the game itself. I remember when they did this in uh, the late 90s, it was, you know, it was like watching you know, Batman and Superman meet up on stage uh, for me, um, you know, with guys like uh, Magic and Larry and Michael and Malone and all these guys. Um, we got to see a different rendition of that at a different stage in my life. It was just really, really cool. Um, okay. Went a little bit longer uh, than I wanted to, that's for sure. Went longer than normal, but just had a lot of this stuff. I love talking about the history of the game. I, I, I do. Uh, I love this game. Um, and I do believe that the next time that they do this list, you can be sure that Nikola Jokic is going to be on it. There's no doubt about it. He is going to be on it. He's 27 years old. He's a reigning MVP who finished top five in MVP voting before that, who's going to finish top two uh, this year. Um, I just think that uh, he is the ultimate shoo-in. And actually, um, they they had an exercise on ESPN.com where they asked their panel – um, Kevin Pelton and you know Kevin Arnovitz and others uh, pick one player who's a lock for the NBA's 100th anniversary team uh, in the year 2046, and and Jokic uh, was mentioned uh, quite a bit, quite a bit there. I encourage you to go uh, check that out. All right, I've been talking enough today. I'm going to shut the heck up and go pick up my three-year-old from preschool. I hope you're doing great. I hope that. Um, this podcast finds you well. The couple days off from NBA basketball is uh, somehow a good thing for you, and you're ready for the last 24 games of the Nuggets schedule. When we come back um, on, it'll be Thursday night. There's just 24 games left in the Nuggets schedule. That's it. But it starts, and you can't make this up because this is the way that last year started, the, the, the Nuggets season started, um, two games against Sacramento over a three-day period. At the Kings on Thursday night, home against the Kings on Saturday uh, before a quick trip to Portland. And then they turn around, the Nuggets play four in a row at home against uh, OKC, Houston, New Orleans, and Golden State. So opportunity for the Nuggets to put some wins in their pocket. We'll come back a little bit later in the week and uh, discuss the game against Sacramento and look forward uh, to the back half of the schedule and talk about Jamal Murray and the timeline. What does that look like? and the rematuration process and what that could look like uh, in real time as, as the Nuggets prepare for the NBA playoffs. All right, guys, that's all I got. Again, like, subscribe, tell a friend. That would mean a great deal. That's the best way to uh, get this uh, podcast out there. And we've grown uh, tremendously year over year, and I give you credit for that uh, if you had any hand in that. All right, guys, have a great rest of your day. Whatever happens on Thursday night, you know we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. 
Football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help.